Good baby, naked baby. And she thinks it's the best thing in the world. I think I like that too. Yeah, it's a good one. All right. It is. It's a gonna be a hit someday. All right, take it away. I'm trying to bang on the table. Are we already recording? Should I just take it away now? Oh man, this is gonna be bad. Episode 105 of the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast. Junkie has left the studio and left me in charge. So I just froze and I don't know what else to say. That's really about what happened. Junkie left me in charge. I hope you guys want to hear about Hooligan Flat Track because I don't know much about anything else. Uh, anyway, episode 105. Someone play the music. Play the music already. Come on, play the Welcome. That was an awesome intro. Thank you so much. And no sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to episode 105, Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. This is the interim podcast where we are, um, we're in the middle of Christmas and New Year's, and I don't know exactly what to do, although I've seen a lot of input from people uh, saying that they have actually been listening, and I'm surprised because I thought you'd have better stuff to do over the... <laughs> holidays and listen to I it. thought everyone just turned it on and went about their day and like, <laughs> oh shoot, I missed that whole podcast already. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that really flew by. I did that to myself the other day. I was listening going, oh shit, what's that? Because I do QA and I was mm-hmm. like, what the hell? I missed the whole thing. So yeah, hey, welcome to episode 105. Like I said, the Christmas break. I hope you had a really good Christmas. And uh, speaking of Christmas, uh, we got Wham and Wiggins here in the studio, brought to you uh, by Speed Merchant, Santa Claus, and Daily Bikers. And I am the, your loyal host and uh, vice president, Junkie Turdmeister. And I really hope you guys had a really good holiday so far. Uh, I think I mentioned that Wham and Wiggins came over couple weeks ago now was it a couple weeks ago i feel like it was oh, a month man. ago now and decorated some cookies i think it was only like a week and a half i know it was it two feels, sundays ago yeah right? god that feels like so long already it does um just because uh i don't know when i'm when i don't work i lose track of time that's how i like keep things <laughs> I, it's like my family's out of town and i wasn't working so i was like uh, what what year is this so anyway yeah i've had a pretty good christmas and uh, did you have a pretty good Christmas or, or no? Would you say yes, you had a good Christmas? No, you had a bad Christmas. No, I would say yes, I had a good Christmas. It's it's uh, not about me anymore. I have a little kid, so <laughs> it's all about, it's not even about gifts, it's about wrapping paper. That's her favorite thing right now. Just that, tearing? Yep, and staring at it and tasting it. Like <laughs> You're oh, like, oh, look at this cool toy we got you. And she's like, this wrapping paper is the greatest. Yeah, that's yeah. funny because that's kind of my favorite thing to do to wrapping paper too is tear it and lick it and <laughs> taste it. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't. I don't think I, this is the first Christmas that I didn't get anything. I, I, uh, I got a big piece of coal. And so I guess I was kind of bad. Um, so, but yeah, I've been having a good time. I hope, I hope everybody out there in listener land got something cool, motor related, you know, I hope so. And, uh, I anxious to hear after the new year's, we might ask what you guys got for the holidays. There are several different religions. And as far as I know, they all give stuff for the holidays. And I think Hanukkah, you get eight nights of gifts. And so I'm like, dude, I'm going to, 
I'm gonna convert to Ju- Judaism so I can get. Eight That's because the the consumer industry is smart and they they advertise to all religions. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> They're like, listen, man. Uh, so yeah, I I spent the holidays um, doing nothing motor related except for like wishing that I was back home in my garage. And now that I'm here, uh, I've tore down Spamela Anderson. Which is the name I finally gave my bike after I like it. Eighteen years of especially with the spam sticker on it. That's what prompted me to. I used to call it all sorts of bad names, and now I'm just like Spamela Anderson. That's a good one. Yeah. So it doesn't really fit. It's not sexy or hot. It's just says it spam is, on the though. side. <laughs> yeah, in I mean, a way. it's still kind of Pamela. Which she's not really sexy and hot anymore either. Though. That's true. There you go. And yeah. I like to write it. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. So, Spamela Anderson. It is. So, uh, we're going to get to, uh, I, I listened to the first episode of last year and, uh, I was thinking about all the stuff that I mentioned in it that I wanted to do for this year. And I thought we could do like a year in review. And instead of me, you know, hogging up and, and going first, like I always do, uh, I'm going to let Wiggins talk about his year in review. Cause you came on as a ho as co-host in late September, I want to say. So there's a whole Three quarters of a year there that you did some probably I'm guessing you did awesome stuff. Maybe you were a heinous individual and uh, I didn't know about it. <laughs> but really, I mean, you kind of interviewed me about the first three quarters of the year. So yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. I was like, I went back and listened to all the interviews because I was marking down the people I interviewed, and I was like, oh, there's Wiggins in that one, and we talked so much that I had enough for like another one, <laughs> like two episodes later, and then I saw you again and just like chatted you up on the yeah. phone. That's right, yeah, I, called I called you, on the phone. and then like, so I was like, shit, I got like four interviews out of you before you even <laughs> came over for the first time. So that's pretty funny, um, but yeah, there's a quite a few people that I interviewed, and then I was thinking about. Uh, the stuff that you said you're going to be doing coming up in 2018. And I'm wondering if that's something that you already did in 2017 before I met you, like Mama Tried and yeah, for the sure. one show and all that stuff. Some of it was stuff I had already done um, that we're doing again. I think uh, the one show definitely, um, at least the race on Saturday, February 10th, 11th, 10th? 9th? 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th. Yeah, it's and one of those. It's that weekend of those dates, and it's on the Saturday. Yeah, I think it's the 9th through the 11th. So it'd be the, the 10th, I think, is yeah. the race. So it's in Salem, Oregon, about an hour, 45 minutes or an hour south of Portland. So if you're up and around the one show and uh, want to catch some sweet short track, fast short track racing, come check us out. Um, come say hi. I might be a little busy or a little stressed, but um, at least say hi before or after. I'll make time for a handshake at least. Uh, and then two weeks later, we're going to be in Milwaukee for the Mama Tried Flat Out Friday show, racing indoor on some Dr. Pepper syrup. <laughs> how, did, how did you do this year at the beginning of the year at the one show, looking back? Uh, I did it right. I actually, so we raced, I liked it better how they did it last year. We were able to race Saturday night. I mean, for us, it's like a 20-hour drive. So I got two events. We got a race Saturday at just like a local club event. And then on Sunday, we did the actual one pro show. And um, I I rode well. Like Saturday, the track just wasn't – I couldn't get a feel for it. It was like tacky, but it had a little bit of moisture on top of the clay. So it was like a little slick, but it was a weird slick for what we're used to down in in Southern California. And then Sunday morning, it was like dewy – uh, practice, you know, I, I mean, I did okay. I was still 
I was still writing well. And then, um, man, for the main, the track just, it got better in the heat. And then for the main, it just came to like, it, it fit me and I fit it like really well. So I ended up still ended up like fifth, but every single guy in front of me was a current or was a retired professional motorcycle racer. <laughs> um, the only guy that was like so-so on that was uh, old man Spencer who was pro a long time ago and he never kind of quit, but he was never like super pro, but he still rides all the time and that old man just rips. But That sounds like a Scooby-Doo villain, old man Spencer. <laughs> it might be. I would have won if it wasn't for you kids and your dog. <laughs> uh, and then the other guys was like literally the dude that won it was Sammy Halbert. Oh. After he punted me up to the wall. And then um, Joe Cop, that national champ. So two GNC national champions. And then uh, Andy Debrino, who is a pro road racer, who I think is going to try and go pro flat track this year in his new Indian. Yeah. So as like kind of bummed as I was, I, I can't be bummed. Like those were four really fast, really talented dudes in front of me. So, and I out from behind, well, Three times in a row, I out-hole shotted Sammy Halbert. The third time I was behind him, it was a staggered start. And it was kind of my fault. I shouldn't have shut the door on him, but I did. And uh, shutting the door on Sammy Halbert was a mistake because slamming Sammy just slammed me up into the hay bales, which yeah. I was a little pissed about. Like, I don't feel that should have been brought into our racing. Yeah. But Oh, and slamming Sammy, whamming Wiggins has yeah. got his eye on you this year. Well, Wayman Wiggins pulled that stunt a few weeks ago and he's trying to perfect it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, no offense if you hit a hay bale, but, you know, thank Roland for paying that guy to bring that yeah. kind of stuff to our sport. The whammer. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, Flat Out Friday was actually kind of the same. I was one of three regular dudes in the main. It was myself, Mikey Virus, and uh, Rusty Butcher. So, two butcher riders and myself. We were like three normal people in the main event at Flat Out Friday out of 12. And it was like, Jake Mattia, pro road racer, uh, some pro XR 1200 racers, this super old retired pro. So he's like super cool to have in there, but he can rip on the Coke syrup. Um, Debrino. Soda again. syrup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so, I mean, still like same thing. Like one side, it was like frustrating, but the other side, like making the main with those dudes was super rad, especially for a, uh, at the time, 33-year-old fat never was motorcycle racer like who's that ah that's butcher he's not no he's not that old sorry um so like that was (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's still super cool like on one end is as much as i hate some of the stuff going on with the hooligan racing right now um to be around from the beginning and still be relevant um still like be a writer to look for still to be a guy like seeing the podium still being a guy in the main events is uh it's pretty rad. I can't. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, then what do we do? We interviewed at Butcher Cross. Yeah, we did. After that. Yeah, and, and that then, was uh, April, the end of April. Yeah, sounds right. Then, then you went to X Games. Yeah, went to X Games, and then Dirtquake. Uh, let's see. We interviewed right after X Games, before Dirtquake, or before X Games, both. Before X Games. Okay. Um, but yeah, X Games, I, I'm sure we talked about it on the show, but it, it I think I got eighth again, like made yeah, the main event. That was pretty fun watching X Games. Yeah. I mean, you had to, they didn't play it on TV, but I, you could watch it on the internet. Yeah, it was so on. It was pretty cool. And actually, because of how it was broadcast, we had more people watch our race than watch the pros mm, race. Mm-hmm. So that was super cool. It was broadcast in something like 60 countries or 20 countries. I yeah, don't know. A lot of more countries. Than, more than and, the Super Prestigio was broadcast in. 
Yeah, probably even the Spanish one, yeah. right? Yeah. And the fact that Harley Davidson hosted it on their Facebook page means that like it got a ton, yeah. shit ton of views. And the and you could still go back and watch it now, which is super rare. Oh, rad. no kidding. Cool. Flat Out Friday has been on two times, maybe all three times that they've done it. It's been on, on their Facebook Live, yeah. and you could watch it on Harley's. But what was unique about X Games, and I don't know if they're going to do about Flat Out Friday this year or not, but what they did is they hit up everyone like myself and my Facebook's not huge. I don't, I actually, I want to weed a bunch of it out and make it like family oriented again. But you know, my Facebook's not huge, but they went to speed merchant and butcher and suicide machine. And so not only like my personal Facebook or like people's personal Facebooks, but like their business Facebooks, speed merchant, um, Harley dealers, they hit up a lot of the local Harley dealers. They actually had us go to the Harley dealers and say, Hey, like we need to represent a dealership. So at the time I went to LA Harley, um, if there's any local Harley dealers out there that want to sponsor a hooligan razor, I'm looking, but anyway, um, so like these local Harley dealers, like put it on their Facebook live and a lot of them sat there and tried to watch it. Like, even if they weren't supporting anyone, like Harley told them about it and they wanted to know what it was about. So, you know, I came back in town and LA Harley was like super pumped. They didn't write me a big check or give me a free motorcycle, but they were super pumped. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean... I don't remember how many thousands or millions of people they said watched it. I want to say thousands, but it was yeah, it, it was, was a lot. I mean, it was at first I was watching and it was like oh three hundred or you know first it was like sixty because I signed well, on super early. And if you see it at like Harley's Facebook Live, like say Harley's Facebook Live said fifty thousand, but Speed Merchant's Facebook Live might have said five thousand, and right. so and so's might have said ten thousand, and the other ones yeah. might have said three thousand. Mine's might have said three, but you add all those together. Just, I don't even just know said two and a half. I didn't even know half <laughs> yeah. of you were yeah, right? watch. Uh, that's how they listen to our show. They just turn it on and walk away. Yeah, it's so weird. So I mean, it, it ended up, and I unless they could get all those numbers together, I don't even know if they could. But so it, it I mean, it was amazing how it was broadcast. It was super cool yeah um i wasn't like hung over but i was super tired we stayed out till the sun <laughs> came up or an hour before the sun came up every night it was milwaukee baby uh minneapolis oh yeah that's right but it was it was stupid but we were like we felt like the God, only true who was there state dude i got that so wrong <laughs> they're close to they're close yeah, states they're sisters <laughs> um, actually the twin cities and the other one in milwaukee in wisconsin one's in minnesota yeah. And one's in Michigan. What? And they're both Minneapolis? Or, no, wait. There's Minneapolis. Minnesota. What's the other in the Twin City? St. Paul. Yeah. St. Paul. St. Paul is in Minneapolis <laughs> and Minneapolis is in Minnesota. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. I think St. Paul's Minnesota, isn't it? They're both in Minnesota. Okay. But they're both on the border, I think. They're both across the Erie Canal from each other. Or okay. The Erie River. Sure. Someone's people are shaking their head right now as we're like making shit up. <laughs> anyway, so we like we literally got in for the X Games and uh my buddy with driving the bikes out, Speed Merchant Brownie, we caught we hit him up, we like landed at midnight, right? Yeah. And he just like they're like there were two of them, Brownie and another buddy of ours, Mark Felt, and they had driven straight from California, like one slept, one drove, one slept, one drove. So they pull into Minneapolis at midnight, like to the airport at like 12.15 and we got off our plane and collected our bags and walked out front as they pulled up. Impeccable timing. Yeah. Like, I don't know how it worked. We go back to the hotel. We're like, put our stuff down. We're like, all right, man, I'm beat. And Brownie goes, what? We're going out. 
and my mind just went, great idea. Let's yeah. go. So we stayed out till bars closed. And right. And you were, you were, your body was telling you that you were two hours behind. I mean, to no, you, my body was telling me to go to bed. Oh, was it? <laughs> it wasn't like, it's only 10. Yeah. But the 22 year old that I think lives in my mind was like, go get drunk. Yeah. So we did. And it was a good time. <laughs> and then we went and practiced the next day. <laughs> and uh, luckily I wasn't hung over mm-hmm. any day. Like I've done that and that's bad. Yeah. Um, I just get tired so quick. Um, but, and then, so we practiced, the track was crap for our first practice. I feel, I feel bad. Like, uh, flat track live recorded some of us in practice and the track was horrible. It was super dry, slick, super bumpy, had rocks in it. Are you talking about X games? Yeah. Yeah. It was shitty. Like I just watching it. I was It was like, shitty when it was good. You should have saw yeah. it. <laughs> like, really? Before in, in the heats, I was, I couldn't believe it. The first day it was way worse. Like was it dry? Like super dry? Yeah. And then what they did after we were done, they watered it and they put down calcium chloride, which makes it like hard and stay together. Like and kitty then, litter, right? I mean, clump, uh, clumpy. Calcium chloride is like a white powder that you mix with the water, I think. Yeah. And then the pros got on it, laid down some rubber, and as bad as it still was, it was ten times better than when we first practiced. But Fat Flat Track Live, I believe it was, videoed someone like on their phone and posted it, and we looked like elementary school children riding these motorcycles. Mm. I felt so bad because like when we do pro events, there's so much negative. There's a lot of positive also, but there's so much negativity with us being out there with the pros. Right. That made it look horrible. Right. And then when it the looked main- like me out there <laughs> or was it not that bad? Yeah. <laughs> it was that yeah. bad. It was that bad. Sheesh. God dang. So, uh, you're like, why did I kill yourself? Right. Oh, like, dude, <laughs> I was just like, I saw that and I was like, I watched it and I, I like. Did it look like you were doing five miles an hour? Is that why? Because we looked, were doing yeah. five miles an oh, hour. Oh, because it was yeah. It was just that horrible. Yeah. So the track literally every practice we went out both days. I changed gearing after every single practice because the track changed that much every time wow. we rode it. Wow. Um. So we do our practice stuff. We have a good time. We're in Minneapolis. We go to Mall America. We have like twenty-two ounce beers. We go drive go karts. I just realized Minneapolis is in Ohio. Yeah, I think that's right. I don't know. I fly in, so I don't even I'm like a freaking celebrity. It's probably in Canada. Fucking <laughs> rock stars. <laughs> Everyone in Minneapolis like it's Canada. I did have to you take idiot. my passport. Oh, okay. So, it must uh, be in. We go to Mall of America. We drink some big beers. We drive go karts drunk, and then we Harley was putting on a party. So we go to this Harley party, have some PBRs free and some luckily some food free too. Even though we ate at Mall of America, and then we went to this other party establishment and stayed there till it closed. And then we went and practiced and race again the next day. Yeah. Horrible that, idea, but super fun. But that sounds super fun. And the only thing you missed out on was hot wings. It sounds like, uh, those are in the, uh, the twin cities. It's Minneapolis and Buffalo. We didn't go to Buffalo. Oh dude, you had some <laughs> Minneapolis hot wings, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, There's did. the runny drippy kind. Oh, yeah, they're gross. not the good ones. Like yeah. the Buffalo yeah. hot wings. You know what mall of America reminds me of? Mall rats, which reminds me of Kevin Smith, and you know who you look like you could be his like cousin. And that Jay, Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, you you I'm look a like fatter and not blonde. No, enough. you're not. Not for Jay, you nerd. I'm not for, for Silent, Silent Bob. Bob. You're not yeah, fat enough. Kind of you're not fat enough for yeah. Silent Bob. But I was thinking the long hair, but that's everything true. Else you're like a like, mix of Jay yeah. and if Silent they had Bob. A kid. You're Silent Jay or Loud Bob. <laughs> One of the two. Okay. <laughs> Probably Loud Bob. All right. He's just Bob women, who talks too much. Women Wibbins. Women Wibbins. Wibbins. <laughs> um, this beer made me think of a new name for you just now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so X Games was great. I mean, 
what I, I mean that was and that was my second year at x games and that was the only like first one that was like kind of advertised the first year was totally a exhibition thing with yeah, like right. 10 of us right right but oh, um, you know what the first one was on snow wasn't it the very very first flat track it was at the Aspen X Games when the XG oh, first. They may have done something. It was there, Jared yeah. Meese, Nicole Meese, yeah. when they first got married, and Brad Baker. And yeah, it was like the Harley. Those were the original Vance and Hines yeah. ones. Yeah, I remember them doing something weird. That was like an exhibition, actually, exactly. for them, for the pros. Right. And then the next year they had them in Austin. And then the. Third year God. for them. Talk about another shitty track. Austin was a shitty track too. Like Brian Smith, I remember him bouncing like in the air, like Carver did at Minneapolis. Yeah. Like uh, someone else like threw a, a chain. Track. Oh, that was Baker, wasn't it? It was it was Meese. He he had it in the bag and he oh, threw the a first chain. Year, right, and then and he Smith, won the second. Smith yeah. won it. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is about Austin, they had another. At least the next year, they had a pro race there, and it still sucked when we went back for the X Games, and it's in Austin, like. I, if I had to guess, that track has sat ever since we did those X Games. It's like, dude, it's put, a parking lot track too, race. right? No, it wasn't though. That's really? what I don't get. Like, put cars on it. There's grandstands there. Like, put cars on it. Put bikes on it. Like, use it. Use it. Yeah. Someone so that built it's maintained. it. Yeah. It's decent. It needs worked in. It needs ridden. It needs driven on. It needs rubber in it. And it could be a decent track. Even if X Games doesn't go back. Even if AFT pros don't go back. Because like when so Moto, when that, Moto GP, all of was that there. sounds like my brother's ex wife. <laughs> just use it even if you're not going to go back it, drive on it put some rubber in it and it's yeah. good to go sounds good yeah and uh oh man but but i i get it because it's like a golf course you could go hit a ball out in the woods yeah but unless you were to grow you know what i mean it's like it's not a golf course if you're just yeah hitting a ball out on and not only that like you cut an oval in the dirt like go use it let yeah. other people use yeah. it like it's better than letting it go to waste yeah it was awful you know? i think even last year it was awful it wasn't great because yeah. we rode on it the same day then um I, see, I thought it was a pop-up track because it was so bad. It, in a way, it was, but it wasn't on top of like concrete parking lot, yeah. or it wasn't like like where they were going to demo it the next week, or right? Something. Or it, they didn't bring in a. I, they may have brought in dirt, but it was. I mean, it was Austin. You know, it was outside of Austin on a field next to the Coda. Yeah. So, and hey, that's. I, I just watched Red Dawn last night, and I learned that Austin is the capital of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I'll figure a way to edit this in. <laughs> but yeah, it, it looked pretty crappy. And uh, and X Games, I, I thought they, since they were doing, since it's the X Games and they build stuff like for professional, you know, as professionals like FMX courses and the, like, and I thought they'd do a much better job for flat track, you know, yeah, being the second. I don't know, but I don't it. think they even built it. I think the AFT guys built it. Mm. And the dude that builds the AFT tracks and maintains them and works them when he's there, like I think is pretty good. Yeah. But I think that's a testament of how, one, how hard pop-up tracks are to do. However, I was I gonna say I this. was going to say, he probably had a week before in a, in a parking lot at the Mall of America or wherever uh, you guys raced, inside the Mall of America. We were in a parking lot outside. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been rad to be inside. Yeah. Next it was year like they're an gonna expo center or something, right? Wasn't well, it? everything else was like fifteen minutes away. Okay. Except for the flat track. Because I saw the FMX stuff looked like it was inside that building. It was whatever. inside the uh Staples Center? No. <laughs> yeah. Uh what's the whatever the football team is? The Vikings. Milwaukee Badgers. Vikings. Oh, that's right. The Minnesota Mil- Vikings. Yeah, those ones. Milwaukee Vikings. <laughs> or Milwaukee. Whatever. Anyway, so that's where everything else was. So what I've heard for 2018 is it's they're trying to put it all in the same facility. It's the Minneapolis Colts. Because, <laughs> because we were 15, 20 minutes away. Okay. I didn't even go to any of the X-Men. I didn't stuff. know that looking at the 
at the uh, I guess that's the power of TV. They have different cameras. Yeah, you they have can no idea. Shoot it to one place like yeah. a TV screen. So that's why I didn't understand yeah. that. I thought you guys were like in in there too. No, so. we were totally different. So for the rumor is mm. for eighteen, they're gonna try and do it in the same thing, even if it's a smaller track. Mm-hmm. Which I will say this on the on like it or not, one thing that I think the hooligans have really done for the pros and for everyone is prove that you can put a big ass bike on a little ass track and have a good race. Mm. They don't need to build an eighth mile Costa Mesa and put 20 pro seven fifties on it. But so that like the first, like already on the starting line, you're like wrapping, you're almost, yeah, touching, right. there's like three bike lengths before you to touch the first place guy. Yeah. The guys out of the concierge right in front, <laughs> they're looking behind him for the yeah, green yeah, flag. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, you can do, <laughs> <laughs> you could do like a quarter mile, three eighths mile yeah. inside of that uh, arena and you could put 15 or 18 pros on it and they will have a damn good race. Yeah. So, you know, like they called half mile short tracks and I'm like, yeah. And for us, for us, that was a big track, yeah. but our bikes are a hundred pounds more than those pro bikes. And at Paris, we were about two seconds off pace, like from Mies and Carver, like, our qualifying times were like two, two and a half seconds, which don't get me wrong. I know that's a big time gap. Some guy in listener lands like two seconds, man, you, you getting smoked. Well, yes. <coughs> My smoker voice hurt. Yeah. <laughs> but think about you it. You even coughed and you don't even smoke. <laughs> right? That's how good his, um, that's how authentic that smoker voice was. Dude, my 430 pound shitty suspension sports. It's only 430. Yeah. Fuck. And it's, but it's got nothing light on it. That's yeah. a full tank of fuel. I mean, it's literally, my wheels are heavy. God my dang. wheels are heavier than the steel rim spokes that were on it Do before. Do you know that your bike is lighter than a 1978 motocross bike? I wouldn't believe that. I had a 78 motocross okay. bike. Was it only like 200 pounds? It was heavy compared to a motocross bike now, but it wasn't. Listen. But it was air-cooled, two-stroke. It was actually the lightest motor. Kaczynski or whatever uses that motor in his framer for Paris because it's so light. Right. But you know what? Saying that and saying 400 pounds, I just realized why I was thinking of that. And it's because I was thinking of um, crashing like at Bolsa Chica and stuff, all those crashes. And and when we were at Barona, I talked to Josh a little bit and he said (laughs) he got knocked out and shit and like he didn't even come back around for like three weeks. He was still, he was still messed up mentally because of his concussion. He was concussed for like three weeks. He didn't realize it. And he said he was depressed and like all this stuff. And then I realized tonight when I was moving my other bike around in the garage going, holy crap, if this thing fell on me at the speed that you guys are going, 430 pounds is not, yeah, multiplied by the speed and multiplied by the uh, hardness of what you're falling down on. Like, yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be fun. And then to think of the fact that you're only two seconds off pace with a full-on race bike. Yeah. Like and, all, all the, somebody out there in Listerland might have been doing that smoker voice thing, like two seconds you're yeah. getting wasted. But think of this. Think of the- Two seconds, I have 100 pounds more on a bike. I have about 25 less horsepower. My yeah, suspension the, is not near as good. Oh, yeah. And I'm talking pace of Mies, not pace of, I don't know who got dead last. Kenny Colbeth, Colbeth. I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Colbeth. <laughs> Sorry, man. I know it wasn't you. Um, but yeah, so, I, I mean, honestly, that's impressive. Yeah. I, I was super stoked to see that. And at, at Coda, when I was there the year before, I ran, I was 
and it was my dumb fault too. I didn't watch Meese and Baker's lap in the heat races to watch because Coda is a weird diamond shape that Chris Carr likes. And yeah. uh, it's in your head. It's a really weird one to ride. You like pinch the corner off. Yeah, the Super s- Prestigio was fun to watch because of that. Actually, yeah, it was the same kind of thing. And yeah. that's what he does. He does it so you can run different lines. But it makes the old traditional flat track a hard one. Flat track line a hard one to run. Yeah. But you pinch the corner low going in, slide the bike up real high mid corner, turn it, and then pinch coming off to come out low. It's a real weird motocross yeah. style. I was going to say it's it's motocross style or if you if you road race, it's it's like what they call like in late out early sort of thing, like where you kind of you can where you, it'd be in early out late, wouldn't it? Wait, cuz you're you usually saying? in wide out low. Um well like when you square off the corner and you you go in yeah, late so you go, and then cut No, we went in you oh, went in early. Oh, okay. Pinched okay. it. Yeah, oh, we okay, pinched okay, it off. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Wait, like, I know what you're saying. Exactly. Uh, you can opposite. go in real late, turn the bike, and make the straightaway real long. Right. Yeah. yeah. But you um, guys were doing the opposite. You were like cutting kind in and of. burning and the, Yeah, way out. and we were like sliding up real to a real slow speed mid-corner and then turning it. But anyway, I didn't watch Baker and Meese do that because I'm an idiot. I always know to watch the pros. Like watch what they're doing and learn from it. My time was just it was like five point five eight or something it was like within six or seven tenths of shana texter's time she made the main and i watched she was running the same shitty line that i was so i was like okay it's the line it part of it was yeah and i'm like first of all she should be watching them too yeah <laughs> but um i was like damn dude my bike was a half a second from shana texter on her bike yeah so uh, pretty impressed with how the hooligan is this when she was up. was she on a twin at this yeah point? it was last yeah. year she was running a twin right um but anyway so that's what i was thinking like with x games like we were kind of on pace i don't know what the lap times were i don't think they didn't give us uh transponders yeah that's but, pretty cool too like if you're a listener out there and you've raced in x games like in my mind you made it <laughs> I mean, that was one of the things like going in, I used to ride BMX bikes and actually the guy that won X Games this year was like a pro BMX rider, like freestyle guy, JJ. Flaherty? Yeah, JJ Flaherty, right? So, uh, you know, he used to do all the props, road fools and stuff. And like I was probably before his time, but I was like watching all those, like never any good at BMX, like never could do oh, yeah. tricks or anything. But I worked at a bicycle shop and it was like another bicycle I rode. It was super fun. And X Games are like... The pinnacle. Yeah. So to have hooligan racing, A, in the X Games, B, to go to it, C, to win the first year little exhibition no one knows about, but now our listeners do. Yes, got that win yes. in there. And then, but to make the main and, uh, you know, run as well as it, and killing hole shots for the most part. Yeah. I mean, it was fun watching you on, you know, race that. And yeah. It was fun watching you at Paris too. And just like, it's just so crazy to see like it's crazy to see the competition like Mm -hmm. with normal normal quote guys you know what i mean like all you hooligan guys are so fast and the funny thing is that like when i was growing up x was the roman numeral for 10 so that's how old i am like the 10th game of the the olympics were being played and we didn't have the guy had just (laughs) carved the first stone wheel out of a piece of rock so it wasn't you know they were racing that sort of stuff and i was never good at that either so i I never made it, but but that was something that was a little bit before. To buy four horses and a chariot, like Listen, you had to be really wealthy. Yeah, that's why I had a quote. I had like one of the first bicycles. Basically. Yeah, it was like, what's that guy doing on that weird piece of stone with the stick going through the middle? And um, 
Yeah. So the X game were a little bit before my time is what I'm getting at. And I also grew up going, man, I everyone told me, fucking Caesar, especially, <laughs> you're never going to amount to shit if you get into that action sport shit. And now it's like a thing. And yeah. I'm like, and then to see you, you know, if only I had stayed riding my stone wheel, <laughs> you know, I might have been something. I might have been able to get into the X game. But now I can't even make a fucking lap without eating shit. So. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Losers with day jobs are doing X Games yeah. right now. So I don't know if that's good for the losers or bad for the X Games. Yeah. But as long as I don't get fired, I'm a loser with the day job. Maybe I could make it one of these days. <laughs> Maybe if they have a senior citizen uh, X game, I can We're going to, if hooligan stuff keeps going, we're going to have to have a, 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 senior, vet, a vet, vet, vet class. class. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to do a vet class for sure. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny. Know, we did a 30 plus vet race at uh, Dirtquake last year, the day before at the club event. And we just wanted to race the 450s. And like five or six of us signed up and they gave us our own class. And there were only two 450 dudes in the 30 plus. Because if there's like a 40 plus, they'll run that. And the 30 plus is kind of a dead class because you have like the younger guys are wanting to run pro and the older guys are like the retired pros. They're, they're in like, their 40s. Yeah. The dudes in their 30s to 40s, like, aren't usually that hot so there are only two 450 dudes that signed up and then like six or eight hooligans and they gave us our own <laughs> class rad. it was so rad but um yeah i'm trying to think so after after x games is like pretty well when i came on board hosting right yeah yeah yeah, right, yeah. dirt quake was like a week after and then oh I okay on, but yeah was dirt yeah and dirt quake was ca- is that castle rock yeah castle rock washington how was that did you go to the british dirt quake last year too i did last year i did how was all that uh, amazing. Oh, that's what I was going to say about pop-up tracks and track builders. And I don't remember the AFT dude's name. And I really like him. I'm not trying to talk bad about him. Um, he probably lists someone AFT listening to maybe. But, um, I mean, dude, go to Europe. Like, if you get, get on YouTube and look up Speedway GP, and if you're bored, watch Greg Hancock because he's an American and he's amazing. But if not, just Google Speedway GP. We've mentioned him on the show a few times, yeah. too. I mean, he's a Southern California three-time world speedway champion the dude is i think he was at barona too right was he out there no huh he was at paris last week though because oh. his kid raced speedway for oh, the speedway okay. okay um but anyway cardiff is one of the big ones other ones are the same way but i know for a fact cardiff is a pop-up track hmm. it is amazing in wales i mean I, if you're welsh yes, that's in wales in wales and uh the the super prestigio in spain is a pop-up track no, at yeah, the Palau San Jordi. You think the Palau San Jordi is a full time flat track? I think it's a Spanish basketball, f- uh, yeah, s- like so it's a pop up track, and then they just put dirt on. I, the floor. I even commented on that, like how beautiful it's is good. that track? It's so great. Okay, here's here's my flip side of it too. This is our fucking sport. Yeah, we can't do a better track than these fucking Spaniards. What is, where's Caterpillar? Peoria, Illinois. Like you're telling me with all these farmers and all these rednecks and all these flat trackers and all this farmland, we can't build a pop-up track as good as the Brits and the Welsh and the the Spaniards? Yeah. I guarantee that there's an awesome flat track through someone's cornfield right now that oh there know, are yeah i it's guarantee like way better than salem like, that we're going in a couple of weeks it's still not as smooth yeah. as the palace finjore but it is god I, your spanish I mean, is beautiful i know that sounded more italian didn't it yeah. <laughs> um, or yeah yeah it did <laughs> My, i think it's in italy though i think it's in spain the spanish and italian are very similar yeah that's true 
And that Spanish is way different than the Spanish we're used to around here. Yeah, yeah, Castellano or whatever. Yeah, but um, but for real, like those tracks were beautiful, and they were pop up tracks. Like I didn't know that was a pop. I would have never guessed because it's it was like super. And look at the infield though; it drops off to a concrete. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't ever notice that. You know what isn't a pop up track, but is sort of a pop up track? Del Mar. It's no, it's absolutely a pop up track. It, it, you could call it a pop up track, but they use that for horse riding during the the summer. But it gets mixed around, like, and they pull the dirt the out and yeah. they put it back in. Like yeah. when Brian Bell goes in to do that, it's a bare floor or it's dirt on the floor. It's not a track. Yeah, every time we're there, it's different. I and, used to go to the fair there as a kid, and they had the monster trucks, they had the demolition yeah. derby. It's not a built, and so not, he does yeah. an excellent job of like prepping that and setting that up for a pop up track in the U.S. He does a good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For a, uh, otherwise, it's okay. I mean, I remember last year, and not to not to hate. Brian does a good job, and when you compare him to guys in the states, it's good. But I remember last year when he, we were driving down on Friday, and I think it was Carver was there a day early because he came out from Illinois, and he was practicing on the track. So you know they wanted to video him, and he's going into three sideways. Is this Paris, Del Mar. Oh, okay. Going into three sideways and hits a bump into three. Huh. And I'm like, dude, this is Friday night before the races start. There's a hole in your track. Yeah. That hole's there all weekend. Huh. But I'm like, Friday night, the first dude on the track, why was there a hole? You built a track with a hole in it. And yeah. I haven't built enough tracks to totally talk shit, but and I know it's not easy. And I've seen Brian work and I've I've helped build tracks and I've wheel pack tracks and I see how much time and effort guys put in. Nevertheless, on Friday night before there were races, there was a hole going into three. Yeah. <laughs> and then you watch Super Prestigio in Spain. Perfect. God, that track looks just like watch Cardiff Speedway. Perfect. I can't even tell you how beautiful that track looks. Like, yeah. It doesn't throw dust, but it doesn't look wet or soggy. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it doesn't throw dust like it's dry. It's and, just like magic. And it looks kind of it looks sticky like clay almost. And it yeah. looks like it takes rubber. But okay, so you could use that. Well, it's clay, but not. I don't ever see like a rubber line form. You know, like yeah. And then if you look at Cardiff, it's, it's all like, like pea gravel and crushed limestone. Hmm. So it's more like the DG that we run here. So you can't even say like, oh, the clay sticks together. That's why the Prestigio is better. Cardiff's a different surface, and it doesn't. It's not a sticky surface, and it's hmm. still good. So I don't know. I guess my rant for the day is. Americans are slacking building tracks. <laughs> hey, and in road racing, and in supermoto, and and everything at this point, except for building uh, giant cruisers. And, uh, <laughs> but I think for you know for the flat track, I'm like everyone hates the pop up track, and I, I agree, I hate pop up tracks because they suck. But when you look at some of the European pop up tracks, like why do our tracks suck? Yeah. Uh, what else happened to you this year that was awesome? Uh, had a baby. That was cool. That is pretty rad. And I, I have to say, like, I'm pretty stoked. We, I think we can call him a friend of the show now. Who's that? I was texting him today and yesterday too. Um, but I have to say, for like coming on and like five episodes in, interviewing Jeffrey Carver, I thought yeah. was huge. Yeah. I mean, I think for our listeners, like, if you, I mean, if you've never met Carver, he's a pretty normal dude that likes yeah. motorcycles. But um, I think if you're a listener to the show. And we all of a sudden, like, we talk about flat track, and then all of a sudden we have a Jeffrey Carver interview. Like, that's kind of huge. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty rad. I, I'm I'm pretty pumped about that. Even, like, when I think about the circumstances and stuff and getting to know Carver a little bit before that, um, it wasn't a big deal. But then at the flip side, I'm like, that was kind of a big deal. Yeah. So I well, think that yeah, was super cool. You know cool. what? I, I, do, I do feel like it was a big deal um, because this year he's going to – 
he's jumping on an Indian and he's going to make some waves, I think. Yeah. He did super well as a privateer. Imagine yeah. how he's going to do as a factory team. I'm, an, I'm, I'm anxious to see. He's still technically a privateer. And he has so... Oh, is he? Just, he's not. He's just jumping on an Indian. I, I I only saw that he's jumping on an Indian. Yeah. I didn't see any. I haven't seen any sponsorship stuff. I haven't seen any teams announced yet. I don't know how much I can say, but I'll don't say anything then. No, uh, no, I can say a little <laughs> bit. So, by the way, if don't if, get us sued. <laughs> if you guys are into flat track, the only way I know to find it, uh, Scotty Dubler's Instagram. You can go to Carver's Instagram too. And Scotty's been doing some interviews with some of the riders in the off season. I don't believe it's a podcast. I look for it in the podcast. Couldn't find it. It's on SoundCloud. Apple. Yep, that's where ours um, is. Yeah, and I, I just go through the Apple Podcast app for ours and yeah. for all the other ones I listen to. But anyway, Scotty Dubler did a great Carver interview. And what I liked about Dubler's interview— Not as good as ours, but pretty good for a, a pro announcer. Yeah, it was— well, Interviewing what I, a pro rider. <laughs> what, what I was about okay. to say, actually, on that exact note— it was a different interview than we did. The questions were different. The subject matter was different. It was very race oriented, very, how was your season? Very, what are your goals for next season? I wanted to do more. Like, I think that that was cool. And I, we definitely talked about that a little bit, but to me it was like, in a way, who is Jeffrey Carver? Yeah. Um, what makes Jeffrey Carver? Like to me, and I've seen this other places too, like Carver for 2017 was the people's champ and hopefully that continues. But so that's kind of what I wanted to do with yeah. the interview. Um, yeah. And I mean, I interviewed plus winging it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wigging it. Yeah. I, uh, and when I interviewed Scott Jones, I wasn't like, how do you build a bike? How do you, yeah. you know, how do you run a company? How do you, it was like, who is Scott Jones? Yeah. Like what makes you, you, what that's what makes yeah. your bikes, your bikes. And every artist I've ever interviewed, it wasn't like, how it was like, Hey, what do you ride? Like, yeah. Now, how do you draw a picture real good? You know, yeah. like, yeah. So I like, yeah, that's why I love creative writing. We really, we get down to who people are and what makes them who they are. Not- and I think for Dubler in his position, that interview fit. Yeah. It fit what he was doing. But anyway, go check it out. It's definitely a good interview. Um, you know, I think on the show we support AFT, we support Dubler in those regards too. And then obviously we support Carver. So it's a cool interview. It was before he announced anything with Indian, but they talked about he's possibly, I mean, at this point and maybe the future, although Harley did put up contingency, but at this point he's the last guy to ever win a race on an XR 750 mm-hmm. or a national. And that might stick for a long time. Mm-hmm. But Carver brought up a good point too, that, in 20 years, the XR750 will still be a relevant motorcycle in flat track, mm-hmm. you know, unless we do something weird with dirt. But yeah, or um, unless they make it obsolete via the rules, but I don't see that happening. Yeah. So, what I mean, Harley wants to eliminate it because they want people to ride the XG, but yeah. it's not a relevant motorcycle yet. People and guys like Carver, like Carver doesn't have the money to develop the XG. No. I mean, and his goal is to go out and win races, and he's not brand loyal. I mean, he talks about Harley. He talks about when he started on a twin, it was a Harley. He talks about getting in a flat track, and of course, it's Harley, and the bike's legendary. And flat trackers want to ride Harleys. Like, I don't care who you are. Jared Meese wanted to ride a Harley, and they were slow on contracts, from my understanding. But yeah. anyway, oh. <laughs> oh shit. I thought yeah, I, I, thought I kicked you, and then she jumped all over. But alien attack. To my knowledge, Carver's going to have two Indians two XRs and two Cowies ready for this year. Jeez Louise. And, um, that's almost as many bikes as you have. <laughs> <laughs> All his are going to run. Thanks to Ben Evans. <laughs> that's true. And, a and a van. So, but I mean, still a privateer effort. Like he's still like, he's going to have more money. 
you know, um, from sponsors, but he still has to run his own show. He still has to budget. He still is going to know where the money's going. Um, the biggest change I think this year that's going to happen from last year, other than extra bikes, a more reliable van (laughs) and, um, you know, some more money for tires and stuff like that. But Ben Evans is still his mechanic. And at the beginning of the year, last year, Carver had one bike, a shitty old van and no mechanic. Yeah. Like he had buddies helping him out, but not so not mechanic until Arizona. To me, that's rad. And you can see from Arizona out how him and Ben meshed and got better every round. Obviously, Texas and Paris being the pinnacle, but it was the end of the season. Like, who knows? So I think they're both ready to come back. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's funny to see guys that are pro-sponsored, like Brad Baker, not doing that great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Carver came up in the points toward the end. And uh, you got pros that are getting paid and have rigs and have buses and, like, people who probably get paid to give them massages. You know what I mean? Like, you got all this stuff, and they aren't making it like I think it goes back to uh, a guy from a cornfield. Dirt surface. Yeah. The dirt surface is something that it doesn't matter how much horsepower you have and how much money you have. It's an equalizer. Yeah. It's a a huge equalizer. And, you know, even motocross money is there. And I think the dirt's different there. But flat track, the bike sideways, horsepower doesn't matter. Like traction matters, suspension matters. And he says, you know, after one of the rounds, he went and saw. Jimmy Wood, tires matter, but you're all on the same tire. But having fresh tires matters. Yeah. And, you know, I there's stories that Carver was at the track running used tires, yeah. and the Dunlop dude would come over and be like, hey, someone bought you a oh, tire, man. bought you That's a so set nice. of tires. Yeah. It's like but that's buying, how he it's gets like buying by. a pretty girl a drink at a bar. Somebody like was like, hey, there's a, yeah, let's get the wizard some tires. Huh? Let's but, see what he can do. So I'm, I'm super stoked to see what him and Ben come up with. Like they're working hard this winter. I think the passion and the drive is a lot of it too. Like, you know, in, in a way, like he was that dude that had nothing to lose. So it was cool to see. Um, so it's cool, you know, for him to be a, a friend of the show and, uh, maybe, maybe next season we can get another interview with him and sit down and, and go from there. Yeah. I really dug, uh, this last year, as far as like a year interview goes, I really, I, I think this last year was pretty cool. Uh, one of the things that I said and, I kind of wish I would have had a baby. They're so fun. And when I met your baby, I kind of miss having little babies that don't talk back to me. You know what my kid said to me? Dad, now that you explain that, it still sounds boring. And I was like, dude, you're only seven. Are you telling me stuff like this? So I kind of miss having the baby. The baby's cool. Having a co-host is cool. And uh, I got to say, like, it makes it a lot easier. I've been going back and listening to my old episodes to see what I talked about and take notes and see, like, whoa, I'm doing a year in view. Let's see what I talked about. It makes such a big difference, I think. And I'm surprised I even had as many listeners as I did <laughs> because it's freaking hard to do stuff by yourself. You know what I mean? I didn't have anybody to bounce stuff off yeah. of. Sometimes I like, I would write something and then read it and then like bounce it back off myself and like do that on the, you know yeah. what I mean? And then I'd, or I'd have like guests and I was like, whoo, thank God, at least I can like, talk to them about these ideas I've had. So it's really cool. Um, I'm thankful that I had a co-host uh, come on. Thankful that all the interviews, when I I, would, I listened to the first episode of 2017, and I I said, oh, you know, this coming year, I want to do this and this and this. And I, and I, I think I rehashed a lot of it in the 100th episode, where I want to go, what I want to do. So I didn't want to redo that again, but I did want to say that something I mentioned on the very first show of this year was the fact that I wanted to interview eight or nine people. So I started counting them out. I interviewed Bry Viffer, which, you know, 
is Paul. I think you met him at Twisted Throttles. We, yeah. we, of course, we interviewed him officially the the second year or the first year, 2016. But uh, we got to talk to him again, and he kind of you know helped us out a couple times throughout the year with events that he went to. He, mm-hmm. I interviewed him and got feedback from him. Dave Hargreaves, who used to work at Confederate Motorcycles, who runs Cerberus now. Mm-hmm. Um, Rex Panther, who makes all these crazy uh, inventions and is like super genius and told us all about like what you can and can't do with your motorcycle. Um, the Fox Valley Litas and uh, Chris Wiggins and then Amber Mole and then Chris Wiggins again <laughs> and then Brian Bell and then I think Chris Wiggins again and then uh, Eric, Tony, and Zach, which yeah. I think you're part of like this new hooligan road racing you know thing that's going on with harley davidson's then you got the jeffrey carver interview and then rick ortiz nate bickham brad bradley petruchik um van manley and roger and jeff from icon suspension at uh and they were IMS, and they were so funny and then liza on the uh yeah. the, the 20 on the 100th episode and i was thinking and uh, even like it's kind of small in a way but i i don't want to like Set it out, any but Juan. Oh, you're right, right. You I know? forgot that you interviewed Juan. No, that's not small at all. That's another. Uh, that was a big interview. When I, I feel did. like too, like it was a cool interview for our listeners because it was kind of a before after yeah. track experience yeah. interview, and like it's super cool to interview guys like Carver. But part of me wants to interview nobodies, like yeah. not the Juan's totally a nobody, but he's not anyone that you've necessarily heard of that much. So I mean, and for me, he's like a buddy of mine. So I don't yeah. think like. But it's there's a lot of people that like Eric and Tony wouldn't have had anybody to tell their yeah they get noticed at the track for sure and people were coming up left and right but nobody would have heard their story worldwide if they hadn't come on here and then I noticed that like Hot Bike was interviewing some other people and then like they're it's catching on and if that even goes half of what Hooligan Flat Track is it's gonna be huge like and I, I I see the pros and cons with what it is and how it's going to grow. I don't I don't think it's going to grow like flat tracks. I don't think it's at the same budget point and it's more expensive, but I think when people try it, dude, it's a blast. Yeah. Like and I I for me, I've said this before, I have more fun on my Ducati out there, but at Big Willow I had a good time on my Dyna yeah. out there. And I think the bottom line is bring your bike out to the track. Like you're 250, like we could set it up like for oh, yeah. for streets or whatever and it would be a good time. It's yeah. it's fun. Um, you get to push yourself and your bike and learn your limits. And it's a good time, whether you're on a Dyna, a Sporty, a Ducati, a CBR 1000, whatever. Like, there's no police. There's no traffic going yeah. the other way. Like, it's, you're not Nobody going turning to die. Nobody turn in front of you. Yeah. yeah. And like, you, you're all going the same direction. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it, on one point, yes, it's dangerous. You're riding to your, your limits in a way, hopefully within those limits. But you're not going to die. No. Like, it'd be really, really hard to die out there. Uh, harder than it would be to just ride on the street where this year alone uh, on the news, we've seen so many people. Uh, I've actually my personally seen about five hit and runs on motorcycles yeah. where people turn left in front of motorcyclists. Yeah. And uh, I, I caught a few of them 
it's weird, you know, in the news, anything, once, once one yeah. media thing shows a little hit, they all kind of try to jump on a similar mm-hmm. story. So I don't know if it was making more headlines or if it's just happening more, but yeah, like that was, that was so rad. And I can't wait. I, you know, talking to those guys every time I saw them, like when we saw Tony or, uh, we saw That's Eric the out at, say. yeah, we saw Eric out at, um, Barona at Twisted Throttles and he was, he couldn't wait. He was talking about when they're going to race in December yeah. and they actually started a, a uh, little series and all. Yeah, this I think and that. what they're doing right now is they're racing in the SV650 class out at Chuckwalla or whatever that small class is. But I gotta say, Eric's bike on the straightaway at Big Willow, we came out of nine, and I, I was, I followed around a dude on my Ducati, and I got pretty comfortable, and I was gonna pass Eric on the front stretch, dude. My S2R had nothing, not nothing Crazy. on it. We didn't change bike links an inch that whole front stretch until we got to the end and he started to lift for the corner and I could break later. Like Eric's bike is quick, but you know, I road racing that's, that'll help, you know, where our flat track, that doesn't matter, but road racing, it'll help, but it's still the corners and Eric and Tony are quick through the corners on those things. No, I've been watching them. If you look at their Instagrams, you can see about six months ago, yeah. Their turns and then you look now and they're dragging. They have to they have to run their shred pegs cuz yeah. they're like running that shit on the ground. So, I feel like that was a huge interview for me and for for you to be a part of that because I feel like that is going to be something that's like this next year they're going to It's going to get taking, bigger. Yeah, it's going to grow like more there's already more people coming out. Yeah. And and it's nationwide. I seen some people posting, mm-hmm. "Hey, look, there's it's not just us. They were yeah. talking about all this crap in um I want to say it was like on the East Coast. Some guys are doing it on Sportsters or something, and they they thought there's they were the only on ones. Dyna, well, there's a couple dudes in Japan. There's one dude on a Dyna and some Sporties, and they're set up pretty legit red race. And then I think I want to say Australia. There's some dudes on Dynas that are set up kind of like ours are still. Yeah. Um, hey Dan, Daily Biker Dan, if you're listening, I know you love Harley's, and I know you <laughs> used to do Supermoto, and you love cranking it out on your. Uh, whatever you're running now, I think you're. He, I think he got it. I think he went from the GS to the R to the. Uh, you know, he had a he had a R actually an R twelve hundred R. Then he got an R twelve hundred GS, and I think he switched over to a Ducati Scrambler mm-hmm. eleven hundred recently or something like that. Like he's, Maybe. but he's got like yeah. you know you could do it. You know what I mean? Like um, point being, get a Harley Dan next time. <laughs> I had a buddy drive out from Arizona last time in like eight hour drive, but uh, so he drove out from Arizona, rode Big Willow, first time ever on a track, was super slow. I even I had him follow me towards the end of the day. I went out with him and I was trying to. He had forwards on, so I, I was like, dude, I'm not gonna move my butt. I'm gonna swing my shoulders and try to exaggerate my shoulders a little bit, but just kind of follow me. I'm not even hitting the brakes. And they're still kind of waiting up on him, but. Eric and Tony were like so pumped that someone yeah. knew was out. Yeah, yeah. They didn't care. They're like, dude, he's got a big old smile on his face. Like it doesn't, nothing else matters. And yeah. I have to agree with them. Like you might have to find the track organization that will allow you, depending on your speed. Like we can go to Chuck Walla and there's no sessions days. And me on my Ducati would be one of the slowest dudes there. And there's a bunch of racers and they're hauling balls. But I mean, uh, ramming speed racing's vintage days. Yeah, like, dude, the slow class is slow because they're all in one twenty fives and yeah, forty year old bikes. I was gonna say a lot of my friends race Arma and race with you know they know the they're good friends with the ramming speed guys. Yeah, and it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of old vintage bikes. And in the old days, one twenty five, one seventy five, two hundred, two fifty, three hundred. I mean, once it. you once you got to five hundred, that was a big ass bike, mm-hmm. you know. Like there wasn't a five hundred class for a long time, yeah. And so the five hundreds are the bigger end of the the vintage bikes. So yeah, I feel like that's like 
a really cool organization. I love what they're doing, and I love the fact that that's kind of who they have jumped in yeah. with. You know, and I think the because of that, the newer people are more welcome. And you can go. I mean, you can go to a regular track days event or whatever, whoever puts it on, and you can you can go to the slow class. And I've seen pretty slow people out there. It's not a big deal. Um, but if you're going out and you're having a good time, people at those events will support you. Like I, you would be hard pressed to find people that are not supporting you going oh, to yeah. a track, having fun. So yeah, I, I can't say enough about that. It, it's so much fun, such a good time. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like if you were a skateboarder or you know anything, a welder, and somebody comes in and wants to do it, you're not going to be like, you're yeah. be like, yeah, someone else to join the club. You yeah. know, like this is awesome. And just a, a heads up, and it, the sale might be done, but Cycle Gear had their Sedici leathers for like two hundred and fifty or three hundred bucks, and you got a free track day with them. So you get a hundred fifty dollar track day and a two hundred fifty dollar set of leathers. That yeah, makes your right. full leathers a hundred dollars. I thought I forgot about that. I forget who that was through, but yeah, that's right. Cycle Gear, and I don't know the organization that did it. We had a kid at work do it. It's like track and days. He, or it might be through track days, and it was like Button Willow and Willow Springs, which I believe that means Streets of Willow. Yeah, they're assuming you're a new rider. Yeah, but I, I mean, honestly, if you're a weekend track warrior and you're going once a month or once every two months. Cheap leathers are fine. Like you're not gonna push yourself enough to where you're crashing, and if you do, they're gonna hold up for a, yeah. f- a couple crashes. And as long as you never crash, cheap leathers are great. Yeah. Well, but they're gonna hold up for a couple crashes. Like yeah. I don't see a cheap set of leathers wearing a hole in them in one crash on a track, yeah. and you know burning a hole in your ass. Yeah. So you're gonna get one or two or three decent crashes out of them. Yeah. You're not gonna get ten or twelve or fifteen crashes. But if you're going to the track and you're pushing yourself enough to where you've had three crashes on the track, you're going to be ready for good leathers. Yeah. And yeah. Hopefully yeah. Better tires. You know, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, and quit putting Vaseline all over your yeah, current right? tires. I'll tell you what, if I, I'll start road racing my bike and I'll tell you how many crashes they're good for. <laughs> Cause that's like basically what I do really good is a uh, test out crash gear. So as long as you don't hit a wet spot on the track, it'll be good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's basically my problem is that I find those. I see the shit and I eat it, man. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, that's – I'm looking forward to more of that in 2018. I'm looking forward to going out back to the track and finding some new people that are getting in there doing different stuff. I was so stoked with the Harley thing because – of course, you can find sport bike track guys everywhere. They're called yeah. track day bros only, you know. And, yeah. and then you can, of course, you can find vintage guys. Of course, you can find like uh, crazy, you know, uh, ride of the century dudes that are breaking the laws and doing wheels on the freeway. But what you can't find is a lot of guys doing something different and and sort of like inappropriate. Yeah, hooligan. Yeah, and absolutely. So I'm so stoked that, and it's so funny to me that Harley's took over the hooligan flat track. And now they're also doing the hooligan road race. I mean, to me, it's super cool. Like, you're taking a bike that people don't think will be well, that'll do well. And honestly, dude, mine's a bone stock 103 motor. It's got a single front brake. I do have a 13 inch Lindel in the front, which helps the power, the stopping power. I've got a Lindel in the rear with Brembo calipers, and that helps. And I run good tires. I have taller progressive suspension, but I don't have Olins or anything. I don't have anything in the front. Um, and I got a bone stock 103. I do, uh, I was pretty stoked. I put on a Vance and Hines upsweep pipe and it cleared on the right handers, which big willow, you don't lean over as much as streets, but still I was leaned over pretty good on the right hand side and the pipe cleared. So I was super stoked on that. 
because they work there and a lot of like mass production pipes hang out a lot. Yeah, yeah. They want to clear forwards and clear mids and they want to have clearance around everything. Yeah. And uh, this thing fits super snug. So I was pumped. But yeah, and your pillion, like if you have a passenger foot pegs or something, there's a lot yeah. you can't do. You right. know what I mean? You can't block off a certain area of the bike where it mounts yeah, to the frame so, or thing. I mean, my bike's set up decent, but. Um, you don't need taller shocks your first time out. And if you, if you're scraping everything, then one, you're probably scraping them in the canyons and you need taller shocks, but, and you don't need, you don't need, dude, you, you just bring out what you have, like put on good tires and come out to the track. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, it's rad cause it's inappropriate and it's rad cause people think that they won't do that good. And then they do. Yeah. Like I'm not that much quicker on my duck than I am my, my Dyna. Yeah. Like I'm really not. I know. And I was thinking about the road tests that I've seen and I was thinking about the fact that people take baggers and stuff. I'm kind of thinking the next thing I want to see is like a bagger series. Like get a, get the K1600B. I'm buying a gold wing and smoke it. Get everybody. the gold wing. Uh, even an older F6B, you know, it doesn't have to be the new suspension. Get a Yamaha, any of the the old, you know, Star went away for a couple of years now, but get either any of the old ones or even the new Eluder or something like that. And then, you know, and then get any of the Harleys that are just baggers, you know, and then let's see. Well, the thing it. is about like even a Dyna, it's heavier than a lot of back baggers. Yeah. Like oh, it's a big, heavy bike. Yeah. So people are... You know, like you think about that, but I guarantee a gold wing would be, yeah, would do pretty good. And then, or a flying, um, like a Moto Guzzi flying fortress. And then the, I want to say Triumph has a Speedmaster or something. They don't have a bagger, have bagger, bigger, but they yeah. got a big, it's not, not, not quite Rocket 3, but you know, I think the Speedmaster or something well, like that. So they had just, a Thruxton cup for a long time for the modern, but I'm saying like, Thruxton. I want, no, I know, cruiser, what you're saying. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I want to see some cruisers out there slamming. And around. then, uh, screw this like sport bike shit. You know, one of the bikes I followed, uh, a friend of mine that he races the spec series. So I, I followed him a couple laps on my S2R. He's on a Scrambler, Ducati Scrambler. Hmm. Like, there's a lot of pretty. There, is it the, the 1100 or the 900? It's an old 900. It's oh, a yeah, couple yeah. year old bike. Yeah. I don't know what the series is going to do about the. He did the Thruxton Cup and then the Scrambler came out. And if I'm not mistaken, the Thruxton Cup kind of died when the Scrambler. It's the same group of guys. It's like every two years, I'll go buy new bikes or something. But anyway, oh, man. My, my point is, too, with this, unless you've been doing it a long time, the bike you have is can handle the track better than you can. Right. So don't be like, oh, my bike won't. Yeah. Your bike's better than you already. Everybody I know started on what they have, whether whether it was my friends that raced vintage. Some of them started out on like 1973 Honda CL350s. Because the vintage racing gets pricey because there's so you have to run so much stuff spec. Oh, yeah. And it's and and most of it's stock. You're you're supposed to run it in 75 350s anymore. Yeah. And a lot of of times you don't know. Like I, I ran into this when I was racing cars yeah. is that they what they don't tell you is that if you're racing like a vintage class or something you're expected to run that car you, you can't put all the new greatest latest uh-huh. greatest shit and so yeah for the vintage classes a lot of time you got to run spec vintage shit um and then well, so, I didn't yeah. know like if you go run a 360 CL the scrambler with high pipes because your VIN number says the bike's a CL it has to have high pipes on it but if you run a CB even though to my knowledge, and um, uh, Emma might might know different, but to my knowledge, the CB and the CL were identical bikes, except the tank may have been a little bit different, but I don't think it was. The I believe they both had the same brakes. 
I think the only difference was like how the bars set and the pipes. Yeah, I was going to say the bars were definitely different. The pipes were different. I think that was it. It was like the frame and motor and everything were the same. So, but the vintage racing, like whatever it came from in 1975 is what you still have to have. But yeah. yeah, Um, so that's kind of my thing. Like no matter what, and and here's the thing too. Like if you go out and you enjoy it and you don't want to take your bagger or your fancy Dyna anymore, dude, get on Craigslist and I guarantee for $3,000, you can get a hell of a track bike. Yeah. Like, I, I know a lady selling a Jigsaw 750, I believe, track bike right now for, she said, 27 or three, three grand. Like, yeah. like you, can, you can get that stuff pretty affordable. Um, I was just on Craigslist last night, and I saw a 1973 or 75 Kawasaki H3 for... Uh, like thirty five hundred dollars, and this thing looked cherry. Like this thing was so cherry. It's like thirty five or thirty four hundred bucks, and I was like, "Holy crap!" It's a two stroke triple that looks yeah, that those clean. Are awesome. Like, oh my god, you know. I I actually I found a bike under two hundred and fifty cc's that I want to buy. Oh my god. Um, who are you, and what'd you do with the real Wiggins? Right, I have to find it real quick on the Craigslist in the Valley. Uh, well, while he's looking at that, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say one other thing that I mentioned in the first episode of this year that I wanted to do was ride an electric motorcycle because it's been, it had been a while. And you said that in the first episode. The, very, uh, uh, the first episode of this year. Yeah, but... Yeah, and I said, you know, I think... Because I had ridden an electric bicycle, and, mm. and uh, I was like, oh my God, this is so much fun. I haven't ridden an electric motorcycle in a couple few years now so i really want to do that again and at the time the guy whose bicycle i was riding is the guy who i've been talking about who's our inside once we can finally pin him down i think the holidays are kind of uh kind of rough to get people you know everybody's got family plans and whatnot so the holidays are a little bit rough but i also did want to focus on you know I wanted to at least ride an electric motorcycle, and then you and I kind of fabricated this plan that we should talk about the technology and stuff like that. So I'm really glad that we, you know, we're not like a news. We're, we're in in no way are we like a news show or anything like that. But I do we're more feel like that fake news. It, we're fake news, <laughs> and uh, Donald Trump would hate us. But after the show's made up, most of it isn't. But uh, <laughs> I edit out all the good stuff and leave in the fiction. But I, I feel like that that's like one thing that we we both like now that we got to that and we realized how fun those bikes were. Like I'm glad we covered like electric, at least scratched the surface. Or we could have gone crazy rabbit hole. But that I was like I went back and listened. And I said holy crap! I wanted to interview eight to t- eight to nine people, and I think. On this list, I counted 17, not counting you twice, just your, I wrote you twice, but I think I counted 17, so I doubled what I wanted to. It even feels weird, like, being called an interview, like, now co-hosting. Yeah. I'm like, oh, dude, I forgot I was, like, interviewed the first time. Yeah. I feel like that was kind of when co-hosting started. Well, and it's funny. It's definitely when I got the ball rolling, though, yeah. so. It's funny, too, because, like, when I interviewed Scott Jones, he yelled at, he was like, is that Wiggins? <laughs> Cut that shit out, Wiggins. And I was like, "You." it's funny that you were like. And I, I heard that episode, and that bike was that 79 dirt bike. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was set oh, up for a tracker, funny. flat tracker. But yeah, yeah it's, it's funny to, like, uh, see people. And Jeff, who we ran into at Twisted Throttles, he was also there at that time. Um, so, yeah, just, and, uh, you know, it's just it's just fun, like, running into everybody, and uh, that's what my goal is for 2018 is to 
not focus on SoCal, but focus on the fun stuff that you can do with your friends. Get back into some of the artists. I've actually contacted a couple people um, about being on the show that are, uh, one of them is Amanda Zito, who is, uh, I think I might have mentioned her during our Instagram shout outs. She is uh, Blind Thistle. She does motorcycle artwork. And she also, a long time ago, I started following this blog, I guess, called the Mag- As the Magpie Flies, and it was her adventures. And then I got Instagram and saw all of her artwork on there, and I was like, holy crap, because I never had Instagram before uh, this year. That's another great thing that happened to me this year was I signed up for Instagram, and I was like, what's one more social media? It's not going to hurt at this point. Like, it's, it's hard to tr- keep track of them all and, and like – Contact show, everybody on all must have almost but, a must have. right, but right. maybe it's because like that's the social media that I use. Like I don't use Twitter, mm-hmm. I don't use like so many other social medias. Yeah, and, and me, that's the one that I, I yeah. like, and the racing is kind of based around. But. Yeah, see, I get a lot of people on Facebook and a lot of people on Instagram, and so it's like I get it's split basically, and Facebook I have to like to me is a hard one. Like it's not, and Instagram and your feed is not chronological, but. You wanted me to look at something on on the creative writing Facebook page, and I got on there, and it was like so weird how the order that it was in, and it separated them out. That's the whole thing I got. I I got crazy with about like how everything is shuffling everything to how you want to see it and stuff. Like I I don't dig that, but it's not how I want to see it. It's not, but at least it's keeping us connected with the audience and uh, helping me find new people and set up interviews. And that's the point I was gonna make is that um like every story i tell it has to go through like five minutes of like preamble before <laughs> i think pre- pre-ramble but i contacted her and i i uh the thing is that she's gonna be dropping off i think some artwork for the lucky wheels show on the 13th and then immediately hitting the freaking border for like a a week or month-long trip down in baja like an cool. off-road adventure and i was like well lady i gotta get you on sometime like yeah so i'm gonna contact her again and hopefully we'll get her on the show um, before I, we only have a couple weeks here now, but also get back into like the fun stuff since Meatball puts on so much fun stuff all year. Uh, I saw his schedule, and then you're gonna be putting on a bunch of stuff, and I feel like there's just so much cool events that happen in in our part of the world, and that are spreading via the hooligan thing, spreading around and getting so much more attention that I kind of you know for 2018. Uh, looking back on 2017, we got the ball rolling, and now it's like this year. I think uh, uh, for 2018, one thing I would like to do is maybe, and it's all it's all going to be on me for the most part. I need to like update you better. Like when I'm out at these events racing and at the shows, like I need to update you. You're like a correspondent in the field, so that yeah, right. So that the creative writing, Instagram, and whatever can be updated with these events right. almost as they're happening. Yeah, you know? so. I gotta see how you, how I give you a account thing on that. Maybe uh, we'll, we'll figure. I can just text you photos. Yeah, we'll figure that out. So yeah, that's that's another great thing too. Like I, I've expanded. I wanted to mention that we are now in. It was a big step for me to get on Stitcher because uh, you know a lot of times when you're in iTunes or when you're in in one thing, it'll there's like a bunch of scavenging things that go out and grab the feed. And so if you're in iTunes, then of course that shoots out to a thousand other places. So we've been available on quite a few platforms. You shouldn't be able to, hard, hard to find the, the podcast, but now we're on TuneIn. And so if you go to that for your radio or music, you can also get us there. Oh, cool. We're on Stitcher, which Stitcher was a big one in the podcast field for a while. Um, of course, we're, we're on SoundCloud, 
Google Play. We, we're in. We're just branching out to more and more and more and more services now that are offering. They see the value of podcasts and they're offering that up. We've also did something crazy and threw mugs out for sale. And I want. I've always wanted to do uh, products. And the thing is, is I kind of didn't want to do the Zazzle thing where like I give them ninety nine point eight percent of the profit right i mean they are supplying the mug and doing everything for us but it is cool i just i'm glad that people have something to drink out of or show the show you know that have because i don't i've mailed out stickers i've mailed out prizes to people that won like solstice slam and that's another thing too this year i hope to get it like a cool prize a bigger prize for solstice slam um handmade guitar is pretty cool but you know that was that you did a cigar box card guitar, didn't you? Yeah, because I because awesome. I've made a few in the past and I love playing. Well, you know, I love playing guitar. cigars like crazy. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> I'm Wolf, Wolfman Jack, baby. Yeah, I'm I'm the smoker voice that you should have heard earlier. Uh, but yeah, so I you know I wanted something that everybody's gonna like though. I figure everybody likes coffee, right? Yeah. So or drinking a hot toddy or eggnog out of a coffee mug, whatever you want to drink. Um, Everybody could use a mug. And so. I'm not going to lie. Like, if you're at work with a coffee mug that says podcast, yeah, people are going to look at you like, damn, you're sophisticated. You're, you're baller. Like, I don't know why you're not CEO. Yeah. And you might be in the next six months because your, your mug says that you listen to podcasts. When you go in for a lot of times nowadays, you have a one-on-one with your boss or like you have like quarterly development <laughs> meetings and you go in there sipping Instead of your company's mug, who's the who's yeah. the brown noser that does that? Right, you come in with a creative writing motorcycle podcast, cheap wax cups. Yes, you got this podcast thing, and they're just going to look at you like, God, you've got ambition and goals. And they're like, like, you probably also listen to NPR, yeah, and read a lot of books because you listen to creative writing motorcycle podcasts. And you probably listen to a lot of financial podcasts unnecessarily because you're listening to creative writing and they cover everything. Yep. So yeah, yes. I think that so, mug is a really good career move. Isn't all it? in all, it's good for everybody, especially yeah. you. So. Yeah. You might buy two of them. Yeah, it helps us a little bit. Yeah, but mainly what I was glad about is that it gives people something to say. Hey, this is you know now you have something from the show and you don't have to win Solstice Slam to get it. You know, <laughs> like the exclusive stickers, the signed uh, vinyl that I gave away, the pictures of my face that I gave oh, away. <laughs> I didn't but, know those existed. Yeah, they, um, don't. they don't. I, I draw crummy <laughs> pictures of like weird faces and then say it's me. But that's about it. I think, uh, and this is more work on Turdman, but I, I'm always good at ideas. Yeah, pile it on, Chris. Yeah, I'm always good at ideas <laughs> to give other people more work to do. But I, I would love, like for me, like maybe for me, it's so amazing to see like people comment, even bad comments to a point. Mm-hmm. Like it's because if someone's commenting negative, they still listen to the show. Yeah. And I, I don't expect you to, I don't agree with everything that I say. Why would you agree to everything yeah. that I say? I but listen it, to our shows later and go, God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I've done that. I have done that, right? <laughs> and then people are like, you guys are idiots. It's like, beat you to it, buddy. Yeah, I already thought that <laughs> right after I was editing the show. But uh, I definitely, like, I love the, um, I love the, even when they, they just comment on the photos or they say great job, like, like we don't get paid. Turdman spends a lot of money. I luckily don't have to spend much. My but- wife saw, can you write this off? And I was like, honey, you can't write off a hobby, like, right? Yeah. I looked up on the IRS guidelines. You can't write off a hobby. So my wife's bummed that I spent like yeah. half of my kids' uh, <laughs> college 
find microphones, microphones and, and mixers. Equipment. Yeah. Um, but so I love like the audience feedback and it would be, or the listener feedback. And I think something that'd be cool, um, would be like, if you guys write in and say, like, give us ideas for people to interview. Like I, I wrote one down on my notepad. It's actually a friend of mine from high school in the old neighborhood growing up. And, uh, he races a specific kind of motorcycle. And His I name to, is Valentino Rossi. Yeah, I went to high school in Italy. Yeah. Um, but Little known fact. So that's why my Italian is so good. I know. That makes sense now. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I want like, you know, maybe you guys are like, I have this neighbor who's 95 years old and he used to hill climb flathead Harleys in the 30s. I don't even know if that age works out. Actually, I think it works yeah. out close. He used to so um, he'll climb Buells in the 30s. And I'll be like, well, first of all, Turdman knows him. But, yeah. you know, I'll probably I, babysat him. Maybe we'll interview him if he knows how to use a phone. I tried to FaceTime with my grandparents and it, oh my, my grandpa God. kept putting it next to his ear. And I go, Grandpa, hold it in front of your face. And he goes, yeah, 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 I know. And then he put it next to his ear and I was yeah. staring at his ear like this isn't working. He's but, like tapping the screen. Y'all, what are you doing? He's like Morse code. And maybe, I mean, dude, maybe one of our listeners has like an interesting story oh. or they do something fun and they want to tell us about it. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if this sounds stupid or not, but like I feel like as a listener, like I'll relate it to my own experience. Like I emailed the misfits to tell them that I love their show and they read it on the show. And I thought that was awesome. And it's like, okay, Liza knows who I am because of this show. And, but it was still cool. Like I, I felt like it was still awesome. So, but you know, they also like Liza went out with Sheila who is their, uh, emailed the show a bunch of times from Texas and when Liza was out there on business she hung out with her and I think stayed at her house Yeah, the Loud Pipe show they do the same thing they make rider friends in their chat rooms and stuff and then when they go on these rides they'll try to hook up with them yeah. Um, me, I usually say, we'll see you out there. And, and I throw out three or four events and then I don't go to any of them. I go to a secret event that I didn't tell anybody about. Well, but like, you, you're going to be places. You might've been at the event and they wouldn't recognize well, that's you. True. So that's, that's why kind yeah, of the benefit that is. And then when I come up later and I get interviews from people, they have no idea who this idiot is. Yeah. So they're like really friendly and I can interview them properly. And that's why it all works out the way it does. But the point being exactly what Chris said is that your feedback is very much appreciated and it actually helped. It can help drive the show. Like I, I feel like I this show. I think so. Yeah. I started the show to talk to creative people that are writers that don't have an opportunity to really, you know, that you're not going to hear on Pit Pass Motor Weekly, that you're not going to, and there's not a whole bunch of moto shows that are radio shows. That's one of the very few. There was one in San Diego. There's one in Hawaii. And there used to be one in the Midwest. And those are about the only ones that I can think of besides Wild Ride Radio that are still on the air. Two, basically. Maybe three. Yeah. And so basically, they're, and those are very niche. They're not going to talk to artists. They're not going to talk to uh, flat track local racers. They're not going to talk to bike builders. You know, like They're going to talk to like the, the Paul and whatever their names was from, I don't even know their names from Paul's and Polly or something from the, <laughs> the chopper shows, Oh yeah, yeah. but they're not going to talk to Scott. They're not yeah. going to talk to Brad about taking pictures. They're not going to talk to Jeffrey Carver. You know, well, a lot, actually a lot of people are going to talk to that. Was, that was a good, that was a good score. Chris <laughs> Carver was a good interview, uh, but, the but thing, I, I think too, like you brought up like Bradley and even guys like Nate, like, yeah, 
super super cool, dude. And it always doing like, that stuff, stuff blows my mind because I think those guys are overlooked. And yeah, and that's why I wanted to so talk to rad, him. Though this stuff, like I, I hit up Bradley actually about my race in January, and I'm like, hey, I would love to have you come out and shoot it. And he was like, absolutely. Yeah. Like he's like. I was like, you just, I go, there's going to be Speedway there. So it's something different for you. And I'm that'd like, be funny if he was a photographer and a gunsmith. So like that was like taken the wrong way. And he just showed up with like a oh. M60. He's, He's like, like, I thought oh, you guys shit. wanted to Whoops. go shooting. Oh, dude, Ew, man. My bad. But, um, yeah, like, and I, one thing I, like, I think about Bradley is like, dude, he's got his like style of photos. <laughs> his eye is so good. Yeah. And it's oh, so rad God. because like you, she probably, oh, sees, she's she probably sees a cat or a possum right? outside. It like so many of his photos, they don't even have the whole bike or the whole rider. But you're like, damn, that's a good photo. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, and it portrays. Yeah, yeah, there's so much that he catches with segments of or pieces. You he's, know? Yeah, he's got a way to capture like the intensity of the moment, even though the whole bike and the whole rider is not in it. it it's so crazy. But yeah, he's like a modern day Gauguin, but with the camera instead of a paint. <laughs> You know, but I canvas. think like that, you know, so that's kind of like maybe our niche and my buddy that I thought about, I just a little bit ago, like I'm, I'll, I'll interview him, um, in maybe a month or two before his season gets started. Cause he's in Tennessee and they're snowed out right now. Yeah. But, um, and I think I'm pretty sure he listens to the show. So he'd be like, that bitch wants to talk about my raisin. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's do it. Let's so, do it, man. Yeah. But, and you know, there's, there's like electricians that I'd love to talk to like Meg's Brap. I mentioned yeah. her as part of her Instagram, such a talented writer electrician for yeah. like two weeks at a time and then she only gets like a few days to ride and she yeah. rips it and puts out some really cool content um the girl on a moto podcast i've been yeah. com- conversating with her is that a real word that i yeah i heard that in a rap song once conversating so we've been talking back and forth a lot and she is a beer representative for like golden road or anheuser-busch yet she's like uh, you know, sharing her her experiences on motorcycles yeah. through a podcast. You know what I mean. So like, and there's she's so got many... a cool niche. Like, I think yeah. the women who ride is uh, it's growing. It's a growing segment. Yeah. And the misfits do a lot of that. The misfits really, really, for obvious reasons, promote women who ride. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of girl in a moto. Like, that's kind of her. Like, mm-hmm. and not that she's against talking to guys. I think she um, talked to some coffee guys. Yeah, and they were interesting because they were, they were both early. Come they on. were both, and they were both new writers. Yeah, that's true. So, and I feel like a lot of the girls she talks to, like a lot of them that aren't new writers, they've been writing like two or three years, and that's a new writer. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care who you are. Like you've been writing five years, you're a new writer. Yeah, but um, it's especially cool. if it's all freeway. Yeah. So I've been listening to her. I've been listening to her show too. Like it's cool. It's pretty. She does a good job. Yeah. So and she, uh, like I said. You, she's not a professional motorcycle rider. She's not a professional journalist. She's yeah. somebody doing a podcast that's doing other cool stuff. So I, I feel like our show is good for stuff like that. I feel like this year, you didn't bring it up, so I'm going to bring it up for you. Also, something that happened this year was I know you got interviewed by the Salvage Show. Yeah. What is that? Is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's been doing much lately. No, but and I mean, actually, you were you were one of the a pretty good interview on his yeah. show. And one of the cool, so I was listening to his show cause I was on it and I, I, a friend of mine was on it before. So I listened to it then too. And then, uh, he only did like one or two episodes after the one I was on. So, and I think he kind of said he wanted to take a break for a while. Like it, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of, work. of work. Yeah. And, um, but he interviewed, so he's, uh, 
I don't know how you word this correctly. I want to say an ex-addict. Mm-hmm. So he interviewed a dude that does like life coaching mm. and helps people like kick habits and, and be clean and all that. Mm-hmm. And I've never been like, I like to have a good time and get drunk. Like, don't get me wrong, but I've never been like an addict or like an alcoholic, like where it's dangerous to myself or my family. Yeah. Like, but it was super interesting show to listen to, to know kind of what people go through. Yeah. And I had a friend going up that I used to race mountain bikes with who was a little older than me and he was an addict and it turned out he was an addict to whatever he did. He ended up becoming an addict about mountain bike riding yeah. in, in the Midwest yeah. and in six inches of snow in the Midwest. That is dangerous. But anyway, um, it was a super interesting episode. So I kind of and, liked that he ventured out a little bit. Yeah. And the guy probably rode, right? I mean, that's, yeah, he did. that's the thing. That's my whole podcast. We, we mentioned it at Twisted Throttles when they talked to us is that like, we all ride. Yeah. We all have motorcycles in common. And so I'm going out from there rather than like a lot of shows kind of bring it in and try to make it about motorbiking. Yeah. Um, you also got interviewed by Loud Pipes. Yeah. I think you got interviewed by one more, if I'm not correct. Did you get interviewed by Motorcycles Misfits? No. No. But we got to talk to Liza a little bit. Uh, Riders on the Norm. Oh, that's right. That's who Loud it was. Pipes was more of a, uh, that was like when you and I first started yeah. co-hosting together and that was like the new Harley thing. Yeah. But I they did. they loved hearing about you. They like totally wanted to hear from you <laughs> rather than me. So I was like, yeah, like, let's run. He'll be over tonight. Let's run with it. Uh, but yeah, and Riders on the Norm. So I mean, you yeah. even had your fair share. And then Creative Writing before you co-hosted. There was me. like a so you, week there where I interviewed you, The Savage Show, and Riders on the Norm yeah. all in one stretch. You're like, I'm a celeb. <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, but it's cool. I mean, I did your wife like was she like simmer down, hot rod? Uh, <laughs> she just goes with it, man. Yeah. She's you know, this whole thing too, like it was funny, like when I first told her, I was like, Hey, uh, so this guy kinda wants me to co host the podcast. And she was like, So what you're saying is like he wants you to come over to his house once a week and talk about motorcycles for an hour. And I was like, Yeah. And she's like, that sounds exactly like you. Yeah, that sounds like <laughs> she was just you do like already, that's yeah. that's. She's like, yeah. She's like, you do it already. Why not? So, but yeah, I mean, I think with the hooligan racing and motorcycles in general, like I I grew up around them, um, and I love them to a fault. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I want to promote it, and especially with like the hooligan racing right now, I want to promote it as much as I can to anyone, get people involved, um, have people love it, you know. Um, so I'll put myself out there and, and spend time doing it. So yeah, and that's 2018. Like I feel like we've got a pretty good ball rolling. Yeah. There's been so much. Um, Eric, who uh, Eric R, who constantly sends me stuff on Facebook. He sometimes motorcycle related, sometimes not. But he's constantly giving feedback or like you know sharing ideas and stuff like that. Maybe we should interview him. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I asked him to send me some stuff before. He didn't. He didn't send me like an audio clip. So maybe some people don't. He's like, got this rich baritone voice that people get addicted to. So maybe, maybe he doesn't want to subject us. He'll to be that. all Barry White, and we'll just hey, be, we'll be like, well, this is, this is our last episode because yeah. he just took over. Yeah, start your own podcast, Eric. But he's got some really good ideas, and he's a real critical thinker. I think he's an engineer or something like mm-hmm. that. So he's always like critically thinking about bikes. Um, then we've got. Christopher Minich, who is one of the WIR top 10 guys, and he's turned me on to somebody. I tried to contact the person that he was talking about, and I can't get a hold of them. And it's like, man, I I wanted to talk to the guy because he's done some really great stuff. He's just an old guy, a nobody, like you said earlier. But to me, that's a nobody is a somebody. 
and he did like a whole bunch of crazy stuff for Wisconsin getting off-road land available to oh, them. God. Plus there is a, a Lance uh, who's up in Canada. He's not only did an awesome spooky spoke submission, he's like an awesome conduit for the show. I feel like every time I post something on anything, he's there. I'm like, he's on Twitter? Lance, <laughs> like, holy crap, you're on the Facebook? You're on Instagram? I bet you if I were to write something on the bathroom wall at like the local joint down the street, he'd pop over the urinal and be like, hey, buddy, I'm here. And I'm going to circle that. And I was like, what? So uh, he's just, he's awesome. And then he's also sent me out a, a couple of things like, hey, if you interview, this person's a cool resource if you interview them. So we get a lot of feedback and I love that. Of course, the WIR top 10 folks are always down and they're always like, I, you talk to one person from Wisconsin, you've talked to all of them. They all know <laughs> each other. It's so crazy. I think too, like, I love that series and what it is. Like, I know it's a small series. It's like hooligan drag racing. It it is, and I love. Is it all? It's all heads up, right? Yeah, they they base it off the Street Outlaws show, so that's already okay. kind of like outlaw. And well, and there was a series that kind of died off, but I, I always liked it for drag racing motorcycles. I believe it was AHRA, and it was like Super Street, and they had to run DOT tires, which now Mickey Thompson makes a tire that's pretty spec. They had to run DOT tires. Lights had to work. The bike could only be so long. And um, you're, you were allowed to do whatever you wanted to the bike. There might have been like a weight limit, but your engine CC and your turbo or your nitrous or your supercharger were all unlimited. And the thing is, when you were limited on the length of the bike and you were limited on a DOT tire, like you, it's like Hooligan Flat Track and the fact that you have to get the power to the ground. And if you aren't getting the power to the ground, then you're not going fast. So you could have, and the thing is like, not that it's cheap, but you can take a Jixer 1000 or a Busa or a ZX14 and you can put a turbo on it and you can get way more horsepower than your two inch stretch swing arm or whatever can handle. Or the bike's short and if you can't ride the clutch for the first 60 feet the right way, you're not going to win races. So it was like almost a budget flat track or flat track budget drag racing but it was all about power to the ground. And if you're allowed to build the motor so big or, you know, no limit on how big and a turbo or whatever you want to do, it it may ultimately makes it a cheaper race series. And actually when the Hooligan Flat Track started, like that was that idea was one of them that I based the Hooligan stuff off of, like some of our rules. Like someone was like, Oh, can I run this twelve fifty or twelve seventy five stroker? And I'm like, Yeah. Like when we run Costa Mesa or even Paris, if you have a hundred horsepower Sportster and you can't get the power to the ground, you're not going to win races. Or so, if you have too much power, you're just going to spin. Yeah, that's exactly. If you have too much power, it's not getting to the ground, so you're you're not going to go fast. So it made it affordable. Where if you look at like Superstock, I believe that's the Vance and Heinz dominated class. If you look at Superstock, it's like a sixty or eighty thousand dollar motor, something stupid. If you buy the Jigsaw motor. The whatever the Vance and Hines Jigsaw 1300 or whatever it is, yeah. motor, it's super expensive. And you have such a wide rear tire. Like, do they even spin off the line or do they hook the whole time? Yeah. So it's all horsepower. Like, it's horsepower and technology. But if you have a DOT tire that's only so wide, you know, 180, even up to like a 200 on a six inch rim or whatever, like, and you have a Busa or whatever, even a Jigsaw 1000 making. 200, 250 horse? Like, that's. At least. Michelle Mankiewicz just makes like 490 or something. Yeah, I know you can get about 500 or maybe more out of a Busa. And 
off the showroom floor, a Jigsaw thousand is like a tenth of a second or hundredth of a second off of a boost at time. Yeah. And a lot of it's the first 60 foot. The boost is low and long. But, and I noticed, uh, was it Nitrous Chris? That's why he runs his Jigsaw. Yeah, he runs the Jigsaw that's stretched. Um, but yeah, if you're. And he puts a whipping on them Busa. <laughs> yeah, it's a lighter bike. Yeah. It's definitely like. Oh my God, dude, he won't eat bologna sandwiches for a week if it'll make it. Well, actually, he lightens up the bike so he can keep eating bologna sandwiches. Have <laughs> yeah. you seen? Like, he weighs stuff. He he literally weighs like. I don't know. He weigh, he weighs like nuts and bolts and then yeah. like shaves, takes them to the grinder and like grinds <laughs> up the corners. And it's like, I will straight drill a hex head into this thing if I could take, yeah. if it means taking media out. Yeah, he's he's crazy about weight. But I mean, so to me, like that makes the top 10 great. It's heads up. You can get, you can basically, for not a ton of money, build as much horsepower as you can stand. Yeah. But you're limited by tire and yeah. bike length and... That's what makes it. It makes it a rider's race, not a money yeah. race. And the new rules that he said that they're bringing out, like, is gonna not make it so top tenny. Like they're not being exclusive anymore. And you don't, you know, the per, the same person that if you got the fastest bike in the world, you're not going to be at the top. It's going to be reaction time. It's going to be win and loss gets a point. And so consistency, if you if you show up and like don't race for a couple of weeks. There goes your points, you know. So yeah. it, it, it's going to be more like flat track where consistency, Colby Car, you can Colby Carlisle it is yeah. basically what I'm getting at. And so it's going to be pretty cool. And I, I think that's great. Like I love the fact that they all do their their own work. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like those bikes aren't built by like a mechanic or something. They all do their own well, stuff. And you know, I use VNH as an example because of working there. But if if Anson Hines Indianapolis built a bike for that class. I'm sure Eddie Craywood can actually ride the shit out of a drag bike. Like he worked his way up through the ranks. Um, but it doesn't matter. Like Byron Hines could build the most bitchin' horsepower motor out there, put it in a jigs or thousand frame, go to the limits of the length and all that. And yeah, someone like Eddie on it, I'm sure would do really well. Wait, what's Eddie's last name? Craywick? Craywick. Yeah, yeah, I think Chris raced him at Cotts. Could be, dude. Because Cots is like king of the streets yeah. in Chicago. Heads up. It's like yeah. the the nation's largest. And Eddie cut his teeth, dude. Like Eddie Eddie works on he can work on his own stuff. He's and his last name is nothing fancy. Yeah. Like, Actually, I think Chris lost to this guy named Frank Stotts, who's another guy well, like and there's also Eddie's Craywick's brother races drag yeah. drag bike still. So um but my point is like I know that dude can ride a drag bike. Yeah. Like his bike now does a lot for him, but he had to earn that spot on that team. He yeah. wasn't born into it. Yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> right. But um, but what I'm saying is like no money can could necessarily go out and win that WI top, WIR top yeah. 10. Like don't get me wrong, Byron Hines knows drag racing mm-hmm. and they could be successful, but it's not like, to me, it's not like pro stock. It's not as much money as you have isn't going to win your races. Like those... Again, you all have the same tire. Yeah. And it's not big enough. Yeah. So if you're if your right hand and your left hand can't control the horsepower, yeah. you're not winning. Yeah. That's why Jason Goldmeyer doesn't win, because he has a slider <laughs> clutch and he only uses his right hand. So uh Byron Hines, by the way, not to get off topic, but sounds like a ketchup magnate, actually. <laughs> more than a racer, but that's good. Byron Hines. He's more like a motorcycle drag race magnate yeah I guess. there you go um yeah so that those these things are like all part of what i really was stoked on 
for this for last year, and we actually did talk to Chris a few times. We talked to Goldmeyer. We didn't talk to Michelle this whole year, and I really wanted to catch up with her, but she got super busy with school. Um, she's a teacher, and that's the other thing. A teacher, you know, we've talked to teachers, artists, bike builders, racers, uh, hooligan flat trackers, uh, Vance and Hines laser cut, uh, <laughs> the laser cutter operator, and CNC engineer. <laughs> but I mean, we, we we've talked to this whole past year. I was thinking about what a failure the show has been, and like, you know, <laughs> as the producer, like, what a bad job I did. And then I went back and listened, and I thought, man, I actually hit some of these goals. You know yeah. what I mean? And and I look back at the topics, I really did talk about a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about. Some of the things, some of the milestones of, of motorcycling in general happened during mm-hmm. the, during this last year. So, uh, yeah, really a, this year in review, I after actually reviewing it with the, with the open mind, I thought I really did hit a lot of the cool stuff. And then having a co-host come on really made it that much better. You know what I mean? Um, unfortunately, this year, too, uh, I was going to say we did like some crazy things. I was listening to, I forget what episode it was, but Nikki Hayden passing away. The, uh, I think it was Tom White from the White Brothers passed away. Uh, the Parham from JP Cycles uh, passed away. Like so many people passed away or got hurt this year, too, that I was thinking this is another one of those crazy years in motorcycling that I was like, oh, this and this happened, this and this happened. And, and I'm going, this is going to go down in history, though. You know, like yeah. this year is going to go down in history. Buell closing announced their closing and victory closing and all this stuff that happened is going to be part of motorcycling history. And it's just so weird that we we talked about it this year. And now we're talking about, you know, if it wasn't for Chris actually setting up the ride at Bram or at uh, Hollywood Electrics, we probably wouldn't have talked about electric motorcycling. But now we're now we're like looking forward to like what's going to be happening, and yeah. hopefully next year we'll have a lot more stuff uh, that we're going to be talking about with AFT getting huge this year. I, I have a feeling next year it's going to be gigantic, which means maybe the hooligan class will get big with more people doing hooligan stuff like the track day stuff. Maybe that'll grow into something. Maybe. Uh, there will be enough of a uh, interest where people will start watching hooligan track riding, yeah. and then get people back into the uh, Moto America because that's been sliding like flat track did down the toilets and yes. Supermoto. I uh, somebody from the AMA Supermoto official like Instagram was talking about man Supermoto's been on the slide. What's around? And I was going, yeah, it's it actually really, been on an upslide for a few years. Oh really? And it's still not <sighs> Supermoto struggles, I think, and. It's kind of speculation. I mean, I I see why. As a motorcyclist, it's so rad. Yeah. As a outsider spectator, I get partially why they don't like it. I mean, I don't know. Well, Ro- in Europe, road racing, it's like, it's like everything else. In Europe, it's huge, but here for some reason, there's no yeah. audience. I think it's your. It's got to be your coverage and how you get it to people. Um, Americans don't like to leave their house to go do anything. Yeah, especially I mean, this time of, of year. When there's a lot of stick and ball sports on too. Oh like yeah, we have basketball, we have football right now, and hockey. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of stuff going on uh, that we don't. You know, I don't. I don't see a lot of soccer being played in Europe right now. But there's probably a lot of motorcycling yeah. going on right now. And that's. I mean, that's on Supermoto to try and promote that. I mean, I think as a low budget racer, you know, anyone out there like Supermoto is great. If you enjoy pavement, road course, and don't want to spend a lot of money, Supermoto's awesome. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm, that's, I'm gonna that's say a hard right one. now, like I don't know, 
Uh, but that would be something that I would love to do. Uh, go to like one of these supermoto schools or something like that oh, just dude, to for, do like a track day. Is it 200 bucks for SoCal Supermoto? I think and so. It's pace for everything. You just got to yeah. take your own leathers. Yeah. And I think that they even have gear. rentals if they, they might have that too. And it's just like whatever extra, like 50 bucks extra. But yeah, that would be something cool. Definitely want to, uh, you know, line up some really cool stuff for you guys this year, but also get some feedback on what you guys want to hear from us. And I do want to continue, like, you know, we're not doing anything with the motor challenge this year, but that's another thing is that... Uh, oh, we got a new challenge in the works, though. Yeah. I uh, I think it'll be a fun one. Yeah, I, I meant the, uh, the build, like talking about the build, because oh. uh, Chris and I both have stuff that we want to get up and running, and I definitely want to get... Uh, my KZ going this year. I've been sitting on it forever, and it's just I looked at it every time I look at it. I get so sad that it's just like getting more to the, the less you touch it and start it, the more it's been ran when parked. Right? My 400 has been neglected for a long time. Yeah. But speaking of, if anyone has a rear wheel, I need a complete rear wheel, axle, rotor, cush, sprocket, rear wheel, and preferably a tire, just for mock up on the tire part. Um, off an SV 650, preferably the first gen. I don't know what the difference is, but the front end's off the first gen. It's silver, I think, and that's what I prefer, but powder coat and spray paint do wonders. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, if anyone has one, then they're like, oh, that thing's just chilling. Let me know. Yeah, and if anybody has 3400 bucks, they want to front me so I can get a H3 uh, Kawasaki. <laughs> Uh, oh. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and uh, send that to the show. If anyone has eleven ninety nine, I'm buying a Grom Chinese Grom replica. Oh my god! Is it the Sim Wolf? No, it's what is this? It's the, the same. Boom one twenty five. So it's the, exactly the same as the SSR, which is the Rascal, it's, or it's Rascal, but it's spelled like R A Z K I L L, I think. Mm. And if you YouTube the Rascal, they get pretty decent reviews, and they're like eighteen nineteen hundred bucks. This is up in the valley. This dude gets the exact same one from the exact same shithole in China. $1,200 out the door. Yeah, it even says out the door. Tax license, everything. Dude, it looks like a X. This looks looks like like a mini Ducati, actually. It does, that trellis frame. I was thinking SV650, but when you look at the frame, yeah, you're right. Even the tank's got the little like vents. It looks like a miniature monster. It gets great reviews. And for, so I really like, I kind of want to risk it for $1,200 and try it out. Well, now that the Chinese are like, hey, guess what? We've been making stuff for a long time and yeah. you guys just didn't know it. Yeah. Like, or, or you guys were hiding it. Well, I mean, if you think about it, I'm sure the Honda Grom, and I've actually heard the Honda Grom exhaust will fit on this, but if you think about it, the Honda Grom, it's not made in Japan. No. The, uh, no, everything's made in Thailand. Yeah. So the Ducati Scrambler. And the Thailand people are outsourcing to China. Right. And the Ducati <laughs> Scrambler, I believe, is made in Thailand, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the 62 for sure. And maybe yeah. even the big one, or the and, scrambler. And one of the reasons they're made in Thailand actually is because triumphs are made in Thailand now too. Mostly, we've given, we've take. I say we, but Europe and a lot of places have taken and given technology to China, and China has kind of built up this semi-skilled workforce, mm-hmm. and then they started paying their workers more. Mm-hmm. So the price for all these things that we were getting super cheap went up. So now we're like, oh shit. So now everyone's going to other countries besides China because they're charging more because it's better than it was. Yeah. It's I, still not amazing, but I just read cuz you know Harley was starting a thing in Thailand and everybody yeah. was saying, "Whoa." And then you re- I read about it and I read about Triumph was the first one over there and the people that were making the brakes and the clutches and all this stuff were making high, you know, high quality stuff. And 
so that's why when Ducati went over, they're like, hey, you know. That's they, probably a whole new episode. We should. Yeah. Yeah, we could. <laughs> How long has this episode been so far? Uh, we're getting toward the end of it right here. <laughs> we're, we're in the uh, outro music right now. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, so not to. We'll make that an episode, but yeah, yeah let's, you know, we're, we're I'm, I'm Someone anxious to talk about the bills. Someone yeah, send us $2,400. Yeah, send us $2,400. And we'll go buy two of them, and yeah. then we'll do an episode on them. That's right. We'll take them off-road, we'll jump them, we'll race them, we'll do supermoto, mini supermoto, I don't know what we'll do. Yeah, they but, have a lot of mini supermoto going on. Yeah. Maybe we should start a Patreon account and see how quickly- Maybe we'll do Barstow to Vegas on them. Oh my God, we will. And the hill climb. But you have to send us money to buy two of them. Yeah. Because we, I mean, we're just like the rest of you guys. We're pretty poor. But yeah. if enough of you send us $1, then if, we won't be very poor. If 24 of you send us $100. And then we'll give them away to one of you guys. Or 48 send us $50. There you go. Or keep doing the math. Or if 2,400 of you send us $1. Or somebody just giving your dang share of Bitcoin. Yeah. Before it crashes. It's on the bubble right now. Yeah, hurry up. Hurry up. So... Yeah, that's I'm look I'm super looking forward to 2018. We really do have uh you know all this like joking about it, give us money um aside. I we really do have a lot of cool stuff planned and hopefully we'll do some more stuff like the mugs or something that you guys can have that says hey, I listen to creative writing and I actually had to explain to someone what a podcast was over the weekend. So please do the show a favor share the podcast, uh, tell people what a podcast is and tell them, Hey, I listened to creative writing motorcycle podcast. You should too. I'm honestly like, I'm hooked. Like Larry told me about one that talks about watches. I listened to like four of those this week. I'm always on the motorcycles and misfits. I actually listen to our show too. Um, Cleveland moto. Yeah. They have really good. They're actually smart. Yeah. And they know what they're talking about. I listen to, I usually listen to rusty butchers. Um, his are getting better and I know him. So it's like, I don't know. So I understand. I know some of the topics like, um, but yeah, I, I rarely listen to radio at all. Like yeah. I, I'm podcast all the time. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm the only one like that, but I'm probably not. So tell your friends they should listen to podcasts. Yeah. And if you're from any other country in the world, tell them in that language, listen to this podcast. <laughs> all right. Well, guys, that was uh, our year interview. That was episode 105. Chris, you got a cool sign off? Uh, All right, that's your sign off. off. 2017, signed off. All right. Bye, guys. (laughs) That's what I do best, dude. I know, right? It was great. (laughs) That's either going to be funny or horrible. One of the two. Good. Hey, guys. My name's Rick James. I'm having an art show, Oceanside, California. I have a lot of other artists coming out, a lot of great food, a lot of great beer, local craft beer, of course. And that is on Saturday, the 24th at Legacy Brewing here in Oceanside, California, 363 Airport Road, Again, that's Saturday, February 24th. Don't miss it. Come on out and check out Rick James.